I got a couple uh, true and false statements today that I want you to help me with. They're questions, and uh, if you'll just uh, participate with me in this. True or false, the Bible is the most shoplifted book in history. How many of you say true? How many of you say false? It is true. It is the most shoplifted, imagine that, the Bible, the most shoplifted book in the world. So true or false, uh, husband and wives, after one moment of kissing, one minute, not one moment, but one minute of kissing, you burn 100 calories. How many of you say true? How many of you say false? It is false. But what I want to follow this up is, husband and wives, it's what happens after the one minute of kissing that burns more calories. Hope you got that one. Boy, somebody is very happy today. <laughs> true or false, you went into your closet today and say, I had nothing to wear. <laughs> false. True? False? Yes. Okay. Uh, we are going to gear you up in the next six weeks as we get the opportunity to put on the armor of God. Where Paul talks about it in Ephesians chapter 6. You know, when we get up in the morning, we think, hey, where am I going? You know, if you're going to work, you're going to wear what's appropriate for work. If you're going to a formal event, you're going to wear formal clothes. If you're going to go out and grill out or do the lawn, you're going to wear a different set of clothes for that. And Paul is saying there is a specific equipment and suiting up that needs to take place to get ready for the battle that God has called us to fight. So the next six weeks, our staff is going to be ministering through these six pieces of the armor of Ephesians chapter 6, and you are not going to want to miss it because it's going to be an amazing time as we get ready to get battle ready. Amen? So don't miss it. Paul wrote to church at Ephesus and to Christians everywhere, how to engage in spiritual warfare and what we're to wear. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 13 through 17, therefore take up the full armor of God so that you'll be able to resist in the evil day and having done everything to stand firm, stand firm therefore with the belt of truth around your waist having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, in addition to all, taking up the shield of faith, which you'll be able to extinguish all of the flaming arrows of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. This is the prescription from the apostle Paul, what we are to wear with clear instruction for the day of battle. What is required of us as we prepare every single day for the battle that we are in. You know, if you were to go on a safari next month or down the road, you would probably buy a book or jump online and find out, well, how do I prepare and what should I wear and what should I take with me to go on a safari, say, in Africa? It would be a field guide for you to say what you should and should not do, what you should and should not where, and that is the same way with the Apostle Paul as he's speaking to us, there are appropriate items that need to be in your wardrobe every single day 
to conduct spiritual warfare. Why is Paul so concerned about what we need to wear? He realizes something that we often don't, and that is we are in a battle. Not only that, but this battle is fundamentally not against flesh and blood, the Bible tells us, that people are not ultimately your problem. People are conduits for something else that's operating in the invisible realm. And even our own flesh are merely host of the invisible conflict to manifest itself into the physical, visible realm. Everything visible and physical is preceded by something invisible and spiritual. If you're with me, say yes. What we see and what we hear, taste, touch, and smell is simply the fruit and not the root behind our battle. I think we will probably change tactics and strategies as we go through this series, or I hope that we will, to realize the things that we can touch, taste, feel, or even hear. Many times we're only dealing with those and not the root of the problem in our lives in the spiritual realm. That we're many times just trying to overcome problems with fruit and we ignore the root altogether. As Christians, we realize that there is a wrestling match against principalities and world forces in the spiritual realm, but far too often we do not take that into consideration on any given day, but it's until we discover on our journey on this earth that we are right in the heart of spiritual warfare every day and that it originates in a spiritual realm that we have to learn to dress accordingly or we will remain defeated upon this earth. Going through life as a believer in Christ, wrongly dressed for spiritual warfare will hinder us from walking in the purpose with which God has designed us to walk in that we have to realize there is a perpetual state of warfare that is going on every moment, every day, and every second of our life. There's spiritual warfare. That today, whether you realize it or not, there is a battle for your children. There's a battle for your marriage. There's a battle for our city. And there is a battle for your heart that is going on right now, whether you know it or not, or whether you like it or not that we are in a battle. And Paul is trying to help us and get us to this place on what we should wear, that we realize this, Jesus has already accomplished victory for us, amen? And Paul admonishes us to stand firm. Can you say those two words with me? Stand firm. This is what he's telling you. You need to stand firm in order for you to actualize the victory in your lives. You know, a while back, I, was, I went to an amusement park, like many of you have, and there were many children. And I saw a mother that she had a, she had a leash wrapped around her wrist. You ever seen this before? Crazy. But, um, I, well, maybe it's you, so I don't know if you're crazy or not, but there's a, there's a leash wrapped around her wrist. And, and so I, my natural thought is you, you think, well, it you know, probably has a dog on the other end. But no, there wasn't a dog. On the other end, there was a child that this was leashed to, whether it was their wrist or whether it was their waste. And it was attached. Apparently, I, I've gathered that some children today need more than parents' words to keep them nearby, right? The same is true for believers in Christ. 
God has already given to us his word and how to find our greatest source of strength, victory, and his promises by recognizing how very close to him we really are. And it's when we stand in the authority that he has given to us and we stand firm in this location that we will find the victory that is needed for our day-to-day life. But to do it without Jesus, we are in trouble. We will be running from the victory rather than in the victory. But when you stand firm in Christ, you will find that. You need to utilize the full armor of God. The full armor of God to be battle ready and have a complete revelation of your victory. Now, as we look at these six pieces of the armor, Paul referenced them and he divided them into one of two categories in Ephesians 6. The first category includes the first three pieces, which is the belt, the breastplate, and the feet shod with the gospel of peace. And those begin with the word having from the verb to be. This means the first three pieces of the armor are pieces that you should wear all the time. They are like a uniform a baseball player puts on when he goes out on the field. The last three pieces, which are the shield, the helmet, and the sword, are things that you will have to pick up as the situation demands in your life, right? You look at this because we are told to take them up. Now, this is the same as the baseball player either grabbing his glove or his bat, depending what is going on in the game. God wants you and I well-dressed for the battle. So the, the first piece of the wardrobe that God has given to us, it says in Ephesians 6.14 that I'm going to talk about today is with the belt of truth around your what? The belt of truth that is wrapped around your waist. A Roman soldier belt, his belt was a useful, useful tool. A place, as you look at it today, and I want to give a big thank you to Tim Arnold, who is in our church, a member here uh, that created this, made out of foam and bended. This, this is all his work. Is this amazing or what? He created this? This is great. What's crazy is to understand this is that uh, Tim takes and uses this as he ministers to juveniles and juvenile detention, so he has to take this in made of this because it's not a foreign object. Is that cool or what? to teach young people in our jail systems about the armor. You realize as you look at the armor, as we talk about that today, that every piece is vital, but the belt is absolutely vital because it's the belt that holds everything together. It's the belt that keeps it all together so that In the soldier's belt, he could put a dagger, he could put a sword, he could put a weapon, and he keeps it firmly and close to him. And we see that it's there also that when a warrior went into battle, they wore tunics, it was long. But for them to have freedom in the battle, they tucked their cloak into their belt so that they could run and have freedom to fight the battle that they were called to fight. The belt is absolutely essential because Paul is telling us the belt of truth was designed to keep things in proper order, to keep it there. Why? Because Satan is the ultimate truth twister. Did you know that? 
Like a magician on a stage, he's there to show off that Satan comes to distort reality and to alter the truth of God to our lives. John chapter 8 tells us Satan was a murderer from the beginning. I got some strong words for you today, and that is this. Every day, Satan is out to murder you. How do you know? Well, his word says it. Satan was a murderer from the beginning. He's out to murder you. He's out to murder your family. He's out to murder everything that you do. He's out to murder your, your, your placement in your job, you, you know, your title, all of those things. He's coming against you to murder you. And you don't think we're in a real battle. Scripture po- points it out very clearly that Satan is a liar and that his native tongue is lying. That is his language. That is his language to lie, that there is no truth in him. So he brings chaos and he brings disorder. We see that all the way around us, right? But God has come to present the truth that he has. And Titus tells us, in the hope of eternal life, which God, who cannot lie, promised long ages ago. Numbers 23, verse 19. God is not a man that he should lie nor a son of man that he should repent. Has he said, and will he not do it? Or has he spoken, and will he not make it good? See, when a believer understands the objective nature of God's truth, we begin to operate in the understanding in all areas of our life, then become automatically stabilized. All of us would probably say today, man, I feel a lot better when there's a belt on me because I feel stabilized. I feel better, right? And we're able to tuck our shirts in and we're able to go out throughout our day. John chapter 8 and verse 32, you will know the truth and the truth will make you what? Free. It will make you free. I've heard people quote this before and emphasize truth will make you free. The factual reality of truth doesn't free anyone. If it did, we would all be free because truth exists whether we want it or not. Truth is truth whether we recognize it or not. Rather, it is truth that you know that will make you free. You will know the truth. That is, that is what should be emphasized on this. You will know the truth. Known truth is the truth that frees you up. Since God is the only one who cannot lie, he's the only one who lives and exists in a state of absolute truth in our lives. He's the source of our freedom and our stability and our victory. You know, feelings cannot be the standard by which we measure reality. How many of you believe that? Feelings cannot be the reality in our lives and overwhelms everything else. Well, they're important, but how many of you know that our feelings aren't always true? Most of our feelings aren't true. But many people live their lives on a daily basis living by their feelings. Why? Because that's easy to do, and we let our feelings dictate our faith. But feelings brought in line with the word of God will lead us to stable pathways and stability in our lives. See, what you believe, what you believe determines how you will behave. Two of Satan's greatest weapons, very quickly, number one is relativism. Number two, subjectivism. Number one, relativism. He uses this all the time in our lives and in the world. 
Relativism is the assumption that there is no such thing as absolute truth. How many of you see that in the world we live in? That there is no such thing as absolute truth. That's relativism. Number two is subjectivism. I, the subject, this means have the right to determine what is right and wrong without submitting my judgment to any authority outside of myself. We live in a day where these two things permeate our culture with the result being that my truth may not be your truth and may not be my neighbor's truth. It leaves us in a constant state of flux because there is no guiding truth with which we are to live by. Remember in the Old Testament where it says everyone was doing right in their own eyes? How many of you remember that statement? How many of you did? It is in there. And it got the Israelites in a world of hurt and defeated as their culture entered in a number of destructive behaviors like rape, violence, and bloodshed amongst the many. Truth can never, ever de be defined by the individuals who have been created because we are limited in our understanding. It is only the creator of truth that can define truth because God understands all truth. We have to understand that truth at its core is God's view of a matter. It's powerful enough to stabilize our lives in history, and not only for history, but in eternity. And so his truth brings clarity and victory, but the absence of truth leads to confusion and defeat. So truth is God's intent, making it the absolute objective standard by which everything is measured in reality. So it kind of reminds me of the story about a man went fishing and brought home 20 catfish for his wife. He said, honey, I caught 20 catfish today. That was a fact. He had actually done what he said. He, he had brought home the 20 catfish he had caught. His wife, however, knew that he wasn't a very good fisherman. So she asked him, how did you catch 20 catfish? And he answered, well, I went to the fish market, and I asked the guy to toss me 20 catfish, and I caught them all. So originally this man had given the facts, but it wasn't the truth. He had cast the facts in such a way so that he hid the truth. Truth always involves more than just the facts. It also includes the intention behind the facts. Amen? That's why Scripture tells us that God desires truth on the inward parts of us, not just on the outside. Psalm 50, 51, verse 6. Behold, you desire truth. Where? In the innermost being. And in the hidden part, you will make me know wisdom. That the truth to be known has to be truth, not outwardly, but truth that comes inwardly, and through it, we will get the wisdom of God on every situation. God has already determined truth. And let me tell you something. God's truth is not on trial. God's truth is absolute. An accountant, a psychologist, and a lawyer got together one day and, to discuss the nature of truth. The psychologist said, working with people, I've learned that truth is what you feel it to be. The accountant said, working with accounts, I've learned that truth is what you want it to be. And of course, the lawyer offered, working in the justice system, I've learned that truth is what you want it to be. Our world today is in a constant shifting of analysis of truth. Truth is comprised of, you see, of opinions, perceptions, and ideas. 
that what was true yesterday is rarely true today. Are you with me today? Can you say yes? Do you see this? One year ago, coffee is bad for you. Now, this year, you can drink all the coffee you want. Right? Last year, don't eat eggs. This year, you can eat one to two eggs a day and you're fine. See, new studies offer new truth all the time that they say, well, that wasn't truth last year, but it's truth this year, that all around us, supposed truth, but truth is objective, predetermined, and it is fixed according to God. It cannot change with the latest fad or trend or, or whatever. Truth is the standard by which all other things must conform because truth is reality in its original form. That one plus one equals two. It is always equal two. Even when I don't feel like it and you don't feel like it, one plus one still equals two, right? That's, it doesn't equal three. We live in a world that is trying to intermix the truth with a lie and to put it in and bait and feed us into that to say how it's changed. No, it has not because the law of mathematics are not adjustable. Truth never adjusts itself to our feelings, our hopes, our wishes, or our desires because God is the originator of all things true, and he does not lie. We've all been gone through an airport before, and before you can even get in there to get on the plane, we have to go through the security. We have to go through the scanners, right? And I'm thankful for those scanners to keep us all safe in America and throughout the world, but we've all gone and put our hands up, right? We're standing there and hold the position. You come out, stand, wait right here, sir. He tells me, yes. So many times I go through and they're like, wait, we're going to, can we pat you down? Yes, of course, you can pat me down, you know. Usually it's here. Maybe they see something in my pocket. Maybe, it, maybe you know, so a lot of times it's been down here in my sock, you know. They're, they're feeling that. Yes, go ahead. How many of you know those things and those scanners put out a beep based upon the person setting, setting the beep inside of the scanner? That there are certain sensitivities that they have set it to to try to determine, is there something in your pocket? Is there something that shouldn't be there? Is your wallet in your back pocket that should not be there? Do you still have your phone in your pocket or keys or whatever it may be? Let me tell you this. We have a generation of young people whose consciences don't beep. Why? Because nobody said it. It has to be set in order to beep. We have to set it. And dad's here on Father's Day I want you to be encouraged that in our life and in my life, we need to set the beat for our kids. Because listen, your kids and my kids desperately need the truth. And they need to hear it from you as parents because guess what? If you won't tell them the truth, the world will tell them a lie. And they will set the beep according to that. They will set the beep by the parameters of the, of the, the devil who's an enemy, who's a liar. It says the truth is always changing. No, it's not. It's not. So we have to set the beat. That, that's the job of fathers. I, I don't know how many, I know all of us grew up in different types of homes. We were disciplined different ways, and I get that. But, but in my home, my dad gave me the belt of truth. How many of you are with me? 
I turned out okay, maybe. I don't know, but I think I turned out okay. But I remember one time acting up. We were, our whole family was at a friend's house, and I was acting up. I think I was about eight or nine. And I was acting up, and I was, I was just being terrible, rebellious, and not listening to my parents to settle down and listen to what they said over and over again. Well, I went home that night, and my dad said, I, I'm go back into your bedroom, and I'm going to come in just a moment. How many of you know those are the longest moments of your life? Those are the longest minutes of your, it feels like hours before dad arrives back in the back room. I remember in that back bedroom where Sadie said, he talked to me. He said, listen, I asked you not to act out. You rebelled and did not listen to me a number of times. So he said, thus, you're going to get a punishment for it. And uh, I pretty much knew what that meant. And so in my bedroom, there, I don't know if you ever had this. There was, I had a little Tykes football that uh, held my toys uh, in there, and uh, it was a toy box. You ever seen one of them, those little tykes? Yeah, he said, I want you to go over there to that little tykes football, and I want you to bend over. And I thought, dear God. <laughs> and I did, and he took off the belt of truth, and he spanked me. But how many of you know, you, growing up, your parents said it like mine, that they always said, this is going to hurt me more than it's going to hurt you. That's a lie from the devil. I'm just going to say that's a lie from the devil. That is a lie, right? But what I realized is my father wanted me to understand the truth of the matter and that he loved me, right? When it comes to things like our health, we say, wow, I need to live up to that, that standard and function that way. I need to live the truth in my body. How much more important is it for us to understand the standard of truth when we're facing the murder of our life, whose mission it is to destroy you and everything about you. See, the de- one thing the devil doesn't want you to know is truth. Because known truth is the only thing that sets you free. It's already been predetermined by God. It's the standard in which we must align our lives and it must be properly placed. The stability in our lives is the belt So we know that truth is an internal reality that must resonate internally in order to have validity externally. It's true inside, then it's true outside in our decisions and our conversations and choices. See, Jesus is speaking to a Samaritan woman about knowing God. He says, God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in what? Truth. So how can you cultivate inner truth? Well, we need to be honest about who we are, like our sins and our motives and our mistakes and our beliefs, our desires, our longings, our issues. This is essential for strapping on the belt of truth. God is a God of mercy when we do that. How many of you know that? He doesn't beat us down, but he wants us to have truth in the innermost part that he's come to constantly examine us. That's what his word says. One of the primary places Satan seeks to distort truth is with our relationship with God. He would rather have you and I be in doubt every single day with our relationship with God. And you know how much this happens? Oh, it happens to me. But I have to know the truth to combat the lies of the enemy to keep me from doubting God and doubting that he is the absolute truth and his word is absolute truth and his divine revelation that I need to align my life with 
and have stability when I walk and when I talk and when I go about doing His will. That we know that the Word of God says, Isaiah 46, I make known the end from the beginning, from ancient times, what is still to come. God knows it all. So what am I telling you today? You can't shock God with what's going on in your life. You can't shock Him. You can't shock Him. That we need to get real. That anybody can look good on the outside. But it's what's inside, intimately, and eternally inside of us. So what will you use to determine what you believe to be true? Will it be emotions that fluctuate and change because our, our emotions go up and down? Intelligence, you have degrees, you have experiences, you have common sense. You say, well, my, I'll go by my moral instinct that there's a, a moral compass, but, but if you listen from day to day in the world we live in, they change with new info and emotions that come our way. When we hear of something, we change our emotions or we slide over here. Or will it be the divine revelation of God who is the author and the originator of truth in our lives to live by that? Knowing him and his word is the only way to function with the belt of truth. Most of our battles happen between our ears. I know that's in my life. Can I see your hand if that's true for you? Yes. The real problem is waged in your mind. And so our problems show up in our feet, in our hands, in our heart, in our mouth, in the workplace, at our computer, in any place else. But the root of the problem is what we believe to be true. We have to go to the root of the issue. And I'm here to tell you this. I'm sorry to tell you this, but you can't trust yourself. And I'm here to tell you, I can't trust myself either. But see, when people set themselves up as the final authority of their life, they've trusted themselves. That they are the end to their own authority. I'm sorry, you can't trust yourself. Because our souls, our minds, and our will, and our emotions have become distorted. That's what sin has done. Have you ever been to an amusement park and you've seen the mirrors that make you look fat, tall, short, or skinny? I mean, whatever mirror you go to, it's elusive, you know? Whatever this is, our souls have become distorted like those mirrors because sin has reached into our souls and twisted them so that they are no longer recognizable as they were created to be. So how do we get this? What, what do we do? How do we change our viewpoint? Well, you need to exchange your thoughts for God's truth. And so there's a key exchange in 2 Corinthians 10, 3 and 5. It says, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. That we are destroying speculations and every lofty thing that raises up against the knowledge of God and we take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. In this passage, God reveals one of Satan's key strategies. He seeks to set up speculations. What are speculations? They are wrong thoughts that contradict God's word. Young person, it could be as harmless as your mother or father's thoughts about you that you, you think you should do or they've told you to do. There's wrong assumptions, wrong thoughts. See, Satan doesn't care if you mix some of God's truth with the rest of truth that you're getting from music, friends, and the internet. That would be like somebody say, you know what, I'm going to cook you an amazing meal. It's going to be an amazing lasagna dinner, and, and I'm going to work all this, and they fry the meat up, and they get that ready. They cut the tomatoes. They have the sauce. They put all of that in there, and just before they give it to you, they sprinkle on a little bit of arsenic. 
Are you going to eat it? Are you going to eat it? No, you're not. See, we believe the lie of the enemy. We have this beautiful meal in front of us, God's word. We have all the beautiful things that he wants. And many times what we have allowed is the lies of the enemy to poison us from God's best. Sprinkled on just a little bit. A little bit of doubt here, a little bit of doubt there. Things that come into our lives. See, see, wearing the belt of truth means truth is fundamentally God-based knowledge. That's it. God-based knowledge. So today, as we come, we are thankful for the truth that Jesus has given to us. And I hope that you understand this greater. And every week as our staff preaches through the six pieces of the armor, that you would be battle ready. And you would understand that we are in a real life battle right now. But God is with us.